0: Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do, with words of hope, insight, and humor you may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life either way today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are so let's get right into today's talk here's Richard Ellis
1: the title of today's message is start to finish and really what I'm going to talk to you about today where it begins is probably a couple of years after Jesus was actually born but in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 And here's how it starts. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, they didn't go to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem. And it's interesting to me that this is what they asked, or this is what they were saying. Their question was, where is he? So they knew there had been a boy born somehow who has been born King of the Jews. And that's what I want us to look at today, this phrase, King of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And we assume there was three of these guys. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We see that later when they finally found him. But somehow these guys have been traveling, probably on camel. At least that's traditionally the pictures all have them on camels. And the question they come to Jerusalem with, and they had enough clout, they were powerful enough men, wise men, Magi is what they're called, Magoi, not to be confused with Maga, that word looks the same sometimes if you get looking at it, but it's these powerful guys come, they see a star, they know something about astrology, and somewhere in history, all of a sudden there's this star, and it's such an amazing star that's not been there somehow, that they literally have followed it as far as Jerusalem and say, you got a king here somewhere, and we have come from the east, probably somewhere in Arabia is the speculation about where this was. They came from the east, and they came looking for this boy who has been born, and the phrase here is very interesting, king of the Jews. Now, if you keep reading the story, and we're not going to go into this today, it made Herod, who was the king in that region, not the the Jewish king, but was a ruler over that, he got real nervous and did some bizarre things in the verses that follow. But for some reason, these guys knew a king had been born. And it doesn't tell us in Scripture how they knew that, But they knew something amazing had happened. Now, I want you to go back in the Old Testament. We're going to move through that and then through the New Testament a little bit to Numbers. And I'm going to read just a verse out of some of these. And we'll go to Isaiah, then Jeremiah, and then Zechariah. Some of you don't believe you have Zechariah in your Bible, but it's there somewhere. Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17. And here the scripture says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Now, look at the next phrase. A star shall come out of Jacob. And if your Bible's like mine, this word star is capitalized, referring to a person. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of tumult. But scepter and star referred to in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers. So a star, we got that, and a scepter, which is something a king would hold. So you've got a king going to be born. And he is literally referred to as a star, not just that a star was in the sky. Now flip over to Isaiah chapter 9. For Some people don't know this is in the Bible. They hear it and assume it is, but don't know where it is. So maybe you can put a little note in here that this is even in the book. But Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, involving here ruling. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now look at the next phrase. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. So he is going to be a king over a kingdom on a throne. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So who is he talking about here? It's Jesus. It's foretelling that Jesus would come, that he is all these things, he would be called all these things, and that upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, that he would come to do that. Then Jeremiah, if you've seen Isaiah go a little farther to the right, Jeremiah chapter 23, and we're going to read at least five and six here. And the prophet here says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. And Jehovah is part of that name And if you know a lot about the Bible, you know, it occurred to me because of all the terrorism and the world events and Islam and Muslim issues coming up, I've kind of been glancing at the Quran, trying to figure out references to Jesus in there and what it's all about. And it dawned on me, I'm going to the Quran, and they're giving me titles of like a section and a number of the verse and I'm like, what is this stuff? You know, I'm not familiar with it and it hit me that there are probably a lot of people who come to church. Who don't read the Bible, don't think about the Bible, and the Bible is maybe just bizarre to you as the Quran would be to me, because I'm not familiar with it. And we make a lot of assumptions that everybody's got a Bible, reads the Bible, knows the Bible, and they may not. So if it sounds oversimplified, I don't assume anything that you know anything about the Bible. But there are places in the New Testament, for instance, where the Old Testament is quoted, and I'm going to read you a verse, for one reason, it's prophecy being fulfilled. And another reason is just reference to things that were told in the past and they describe it in the New Testament as well. But Zechariah is one of these places that in the New Testament is referred to in a couple of the Gospels at least. In Zechariah 9.9 it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. All these references in the Old Testament to a king, a capital K king. Your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So it even gets specific here. He's a king. He's going to be just and have salvation, but he's going to ride in, and referring to Jerusalem here specifically, coming in on a donkey. Now, flip back to the New Testament, and I'll make reference to Zechariah here in a second. I'm just trying to do this in order so it makes it easier. John chapter 1. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We see him born These wise men come, they're looking for this person, this boy that's born king of the Jews. And Jesus is older now, probably 30-ish as we figure out here in the scriptures. And at the beginning of his ministry, people are meeting him and then bringing friends to him, introducing them to him. And verse 46 of John chapter 1 says this, And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, what happens here is that Nathanael is someplace where Jesus is not and Jesus is God and a man is all knowing Nathaniel hasn't met Jesus, hasn't been with Jesus, and he walks up and says something, makes a nice comment about him. You're a man of no deceit. But then he says, you know, Nathaniel says, well, how do you know me? He says, well, I saw you before Philip called you. You were under a fig tree. And he goes, oh, I met somebody. Something's up here. And this is how he responds. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now guys, you may think it odd, well, sure, Jesus was on the planet, everybody knew it. There were people back then who didn't get it. There were Jewish people back then, a lot of them, who didn't get it. They had prayed and waited for millennia, literally, hundreds and hundreds, a few thousand years for Messiah to finally come. He shows up, he's on the planet, you got wise men coming to worship him, to find this king of the Jews, and he's there, he's here on the planet, And nobody gets it. But every once in a while, back then and now, somebody hears the story. In their case, they were able to see him flesh and blood. And they look at him and something goes off in Nathanael. And he looks at Jesus and said, Rabbi, teacher, you're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's about prophecy. And when these wise men came looking for this guy. So Nathanael got it. Now, let me tell you my prayer for you and anybody that I meet. That somewhere along the way, see, you can hear about the story of Jesus, and you never get it. It never clicks, it never makes any sense. But every once in a while along the way, somebody, it hits you somehow because the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, opens your heart, opens your understanding, and you go, wait a minute, this is not just some guy, this is a God guy. This is a God-man, man-God, come to earth. This stuff really happened, and he is the Messiah. He is the anointed, appointed one. He is the one that was sent to save us from our sins. All these things the scripture says. But let me tell you something. I have never talked anybody into getting this thing. At some point, miraculously, God opens your eyes, opens your heart, and makes you receptive, and you see it, and you get it. Now, let me give you a piece of advice. If you are hearing somebody knocking at the door, somebody ringing your bell, do him yourself and everybody else a favor and open the door and let him in because he will not always knock necessarily or the knock will get more faint, more faint. You'll get more busy. Some of you are sitting here today, listening to this message wherever you are today and this is the last shot maybe. God's been after you, your mom's been praying for you, your grandmother, aunt, uncle, friend, co-worker, you know somebody's praying for you and you're this close to saying, I believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and you're going to walk away maybe. Don't walk away. Nathanael got it. He saw it, and his declaration again was, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, in other words, he's trying to clarify. He says, well, Nathanael, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. That's why you believe? Like, I wowed you? you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You said, you think it's kind of neat and cool that I saw you under the tree before you got here and that kind of impressed you? Just wait, you know who I am and it's gonna get a lot better and a lot bigger than this. All right, you are going to have to go back to Matthew chapter 21. Now I'm jumping through the history of Jesus' life a little bit and trying to tie this King of the Jews things together. But Matthew chapter 21 is before Jesus is, goes into Jerusalem to be crucified. And 21.1 says this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, what prophet? Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, who said, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, you know what? This makes people back then, probably like it would today, crazy. They want a limo god. They want a chariot god. They want a Messiah that's going to be somebody. They don't want a lowly servant born in a manger, somebody like the poor and the low of the low. They want somebody big so they can be big. There's too many Christians want to be somebody. And I've said this repeatedly. I'm somebody because he's somebody and he's made me somebody. I'm nobody. Too many people trying to be somebody without Christ. You'll never be anybody without Jesus. But you get a relationship with him. You get him in your life and living through your life. You're going to be somebody. Because you're going to get out of the way and people are going to see him in you and through you like never before. So he comes in, it's prophesied. You know, it's not like they didn't have some signs here. Don't look for him in a limo. He's coming in on a donkey, on the foal of a donkey. Specifically, watch for some guy that everybody's worshiping coming into town on a donkey. It doesn't happen every day. And they still don't get this stuff. All right, go to Luke chapter 19. I'm trying to take you to pages maybe you've never opened. Get those things separated. Some of you are afraid you're going to hurt your Bible. It's going to hurt you if you don't use it. Luke chapter 19, verse 37. He's coming into town as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Now, this is what they're screaming now, not just prophecy fulfilled this kind of donkey. He's born with cattle and stuff around him, he's riding into town, it's everywhere. Verse 38, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones will immediately cry out. They were saying, don't let him call you the king. We don't want you to be the king. You're not our kind of guy. You don't have the robes and the hats and all this stuff. You're not one of us. Tell them to be quiet. It's blasphemy. They cannot say these things. They were screaming, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something. Jesus' life started with people coming to find him, to worship him. Before he died, they're doing it. When he died, they're doing it. After he died, they're doing it. We're still doing it. You know, I think about this from time to time. What are we doing here? You know, if you think about it, you could be a lot of places. I talked to one guy, rolled over and told his wife, said, tell me we don't have to get up. I don't want to get up. Let's stay in bed. You know, it's a great place to stay. What are you doing down here, downtown in a city in an auditorium with a bunch of people, some of them you don't even know, and the band cranks up? This is nuts. Where is God? He's not even here. Who are you worshiping? Nobody's seen him. He's long gone. Even if you allow that he's raised from the dead, he's gone. Find him. But here we come by faith, and he said, I'll be there. I'll be in your midst where two or more of you gather in my name. I'm there. And so we gather. We do this thing. And it's something you can't do anywhere else by yourself. You've got to be with a body of believers. And all of a sudden, you get out of bed, you get down here, you get in a room, and you start going, well, this didn't happen in my bed. I've been singing in my car in my bed, but it doesn't happen like this. And all of a sudden, the God of the universe shows up. And something in us wants to bow. Something in us wants to cry out his name and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we declare him as king and we worship him. And something inside us stirs like it did with all these people. And all these guys have different perspectives. That's why I'm reading them out of Matthew, Luke, John. John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming, same story, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Why is all of a sudden there's all these people calling Jesus the King of Israel from his birth all the way through. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. And he quotes Zechariah 9, 9 again. All right, go to John chapter 18, just a few pages later. Jesus has been dragged before Pilate. He's going to be crucified in a matter of hours. Verse 33 in John 18, then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? There's a stir out here. There's a ruckus. These people are, some are calling you the king of the Jews and are you really this person? And I think from Pilate's standpoint, it's got to be a little bizarre. He's never heard of this king. This guy's got no throne, no kingdom, no nothing, no palace, no money. He's riding in town on a donkey. I mean, he's not impressed at all with Jesus. So what's up with you? It's kind of like Pilate looking at me, so are you some kind of king? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him. Now watch this conversation with Pilate and Jesus. Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? And the same question stands today. Somebody says, well, is Jesus, he's supposed to be some kind of king. The question would be, are you asking for yourself because somewhere deep inside of you, you've been made aware, this guy and just some guy, He really is the king, not just king of the Jews, the king of kings, of all kings. So Jesus says, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? I mean, you've got to hear the inflection here if you can hear him say it. Am I a Jew? You know, I'm a Roman ruler, buddy. I'm not a Jew. What do you think I'd think that for? Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? What are you doing here? Now listen to Jesus' answer, because guys, this phrase, this little statement that Jesus makes, takes it all the way from his birth to this point and to his death. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Now let me tell you something, guys. Pilate never saw his throne, but he'll stand before it one day. And you have never seen a throne like this throne. And you have never seen a king in all of his glory like this glory. And the Bible says that one day we're all going to see him and we're all going to face him. And my suggestion to you is be prepared to stand before him and face him. It isn't about being perfect. It's about him being perfect and dying a perfect sacrifice to make you perfect so you could stand before him and survive that encounter. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Now, some people could say his servants would be other Christians. Let me tell you something. The Bible says this, that there were tens of thousands of angels poised, fluttering in full armor, ready to pounce on anybody that touched Jesus. If you think he was here alone and isolated and didn't have anybody willing to protect him, angels know, whether we all get it or not, who Jesus is, whether he's in heaven or on earth. They got it. And somehow God, and thank God that he did this, told him, no, hold back. And they did not deliver him. They let him be delivered for our sake. Pilate therefore said to him in verse 37, are you a king then? I mean, just point blank. And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. In other words, yep, Jesus for some reason at times will be silent, but here he looks at Pilate and says, all right, I'm a king. For this cause I was born And for this cause, I have come into the world. Why? Why was I born? He's about to tell you. I was born. I came into the world for this cause that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. This is why I was born. This is why I came into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Now, truth is not just something. The scripture says in John also that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He is the truth in a person. Pilate was looking at truth. In the flesh. Pilate said to him, verse 38, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. So Pilate tried to find a way out, you remember. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you? Look at what he says. Pilate knows who he is now. For some reason, he keeps calling this. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried out saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now go to John chapter 19. And it's amazing to me how your life can start with noble men bowing before you and bringing presents and end up this way. Still a king, still being declared a king, but it's not a pretty sight at the end. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Verse one of chapter 19. The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. You know what that crown of thorns is about? People hear about the crown of thorns all the time and we well, what's up with that? They were making him a king. Say, so, oh, a king needs a crown. We'll make you a crown. So they make this crown of thorns and shove it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and said, Hail, king of the Jews, mock worship. And they struck him on the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, look at what they were insisting. We have a law and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. They know what Jesus had said about himself. That's why they wanted him killed. And the law was that claiming to be God or the son of God was blasphemy and the result of blasphemy was death. So they had justified all this. Now go down to verse 14. It was the day of preparation of Passover week about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, and it's amazing to me how often he gets referred to as a king, over and over and over. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar. That's what they said. Who said it? A bunch of religious people. That's who said it. There are plenty of people on the planet, guys, who talk a good talk, believe in God, But basically it's about politics. It's about power. It's about position. It has nothing to do with God. And they finally just came out with the truth. They had gotten pushed to a point where it spills over and who they really are comes out. You know what, we got no king. Caesar's our king. Not even claiming that God was their king. We're like everybody else. Caesar is our king. We'll get back
0: to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program, Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us.
1: Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. And Pilate will not let go. Pilate had a notice prepared, had a plaque made, a sign made, will not let go of this. Had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross, Jesus' cross, and this is what it read. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Whether you get it or not, whether you believe it or not, this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, that's his name, title, King of the Jews. Maybe the only business card Jesus ever had. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not get that sign down, the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews, back and forth, still fighting. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Now go down to verse 28. Later, knowing that all was now completed... And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head, gave up his spirit. From star to finish, he was and he is the King of the Jews. This has been Richard
0: Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we've put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.